growth requires more than capital. Why do we call it the cheat code? Nobody said growth had to be fair. Revenue solves everything. Welcome to the cheat code. What was our fastest path to revenue? We tend to like to do things the hard way. What's the cheat code? It's giving yourself an unfair advantage over the others. What is it that really works and how are we going to grow these organizations? That's our cheat code. Everybody, welcome to the Cheat Code. This is Josh Wagner alongside Justin Gray. You know, in the current go-to-market world, we find that there is more noise than ever. There is, the inboxes are full. The phones aren't being picked up. Uh, the marketing of five, six years ago isn't exactly working. The sales tactics aren't exactly working the same as they always were. So we have to differentiate ourselves in the market. So today, we're bringing our good friend Chris Moody to the Cheat Code podcast to talk about just that. How do we differentiate ourselves in the marketplace and talk a little bit about his Cheat Code. Chris, thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having me. Good to see you both again. So uh, Chris, you know, I remember uh, several years ago at a conference, I, I believe you were at Topo at the time, and you know, you were talking about high value offers years ago, right? And it, it was something that got me really excited. This was when ABM was what AI is today, right? Like that's all anyone could talk about was ABM. And, you know, you had some really interesting things to say about high value offers. How has that concept for you evolved today? And what does it mean in the current sales and marketing environment? Yeah, I, it still as relevant as ever, if not more so, right? When we survey this, everyone says they're trying to do more with less. And we cringe when we get that response. Probably all three of us do. Every time someone says that, you're like, yes, that's always been the case. We've always been trying to do more with less. But the notion is really simple and obvious and it tells all this time. When we do anything, whether it's a reference like Trang was talking about or a referral or join a meeting or try to get a prospect on, it has to be extremely valuable. And it sounds dumb to say that out loud, but half of the time, even the best of us, are sending things that aren't that valuable. And that that's what stands out to me, right? I think it's more important today than ever that every single piece of communication is as relevant as possible and extremely valuable. And when we obsessed over this definition at Gartner, Topo, it was a little more, let's just go with it. Let's, let's build it as we do it. But at Gartner, we obsessed over definitions. And, you know, there is a, a term compel. It compels a prospect to engage and it's unique and timely and provides business value. I think everything we do has to be that way. And even in our personal relationships, I mean, like I wouldn't send anyone your way unless I knew they were going to knock it out of the park because then it impacts us. And the same way we do that with our companies, that's how I view a high value offer. We just have to bring the energy, the value. It has to be compelling. It has to be timely. And it needs to be what someone is trying to accomplish. Yeah, so let's rewind for a minute. Like, what, what what do you consider an offer? Because I've run this concept by, you know, more on the like startup founder side of the house, and they they don't get it immediately. So like, let's just define that, you know, right out the right out the bat or out the, out the gate off the bat, whichever one I want to say. Um, like, what do you consider that offer? You know, what is an offer? I, marketers always get this wrong when we talk about an offer. And I've been a marketer as long as I can remember. I started a business when I was five renting Nintendo games. And there's a whole backstory there that ties to Duke and the basketball and leukemia and all that fun stuff. I can give you stories for days, but I was renting out Nintendo games for a dollar. 
didn't have a return policy. Basically, everyone stole from me for $1. Never sell the games again. It was awesome. Great marketing strategy, uh, great sales strategy, just bad retention numbers. So uh, lots of churn. <laughs> high churn. Yeah, high churn. But uh, if we substitute offer for meeting, I think it gets the right notion across that we start to think about bringing people together to something that's extremely valuable. It's not a piece of content. It's not let's send them a great ebook or let's get them to a landing page. That's not the offer we're talking. Yes. Okay. So with that in mind, right. And, and this is where I think, you know, I love the direction that even high value offers get you thinking in because it filters out so much crap, right? Like, because you have to be able to provide some real value with that offer. And so as you're, as you know, like you said, you spent a lot of time like honing in on this and so on. So when you think about that on a business to business level, like the way I've coached organizations to always think about this is like, what, what's one of those like super high value things that you normally do like past customer relationship, like after contract or like in that implementation process that you can bring forward? Is that kind of how you think about that as well? Or like what's that formulaic approach that, that, that you guys found works there? Absolutely. I, I think that's the perfect way to think about it. And I can give you a couple examples from today. I mean, right now, this is Shark Week at demand base. And that's where everyone is focused on getting qualified leads and qualified meetings. They're cross-functional teams. I was recruited to join a team, so I'm not a resource to everyone. I'm on a specific team and we build out little bingo cards of things that we can offer or things that you need to accomplish. So I, I literally made a card that was called Make Chris Moody Busy Bingo Card. And it was nine different offers that I'm willing to do. So here's an example. Um, I talk to folks all the time about go-to-market strategy and thought leadership, same as you guys do. And I try to understand the industry. I've been in it a long time. We did this at Topo. So I have a pretty strong deck that I don't really have to customize, spoiler alert. And I'm willing to give anyone 30 minutes to talk about trends and predictions in the industry and what we're seeing and how that's relevant to their business. So we can take that, put that into sales outreach and have someone say, hey, I'd love to get you time with Chris Moody to talk about what he's seen when he talks to other go-to-market leaders. It could be pulling them on the podcast, but we could also do custom executive workshops. We've done these in person. We've done this on Zoom. I can do that same slide deck that I might do one-to-one. -one. I can turn that into a lunch meeting in a corporate setting with 18 folks and 50 folks remote and turn it into a three-hour session, whatever we need to do. But my promise and commitment as part of a high value offer is that they will not want to miss that meeting. There will be value for them to show up. And if not, I want them to tell me and, hey, I'll get them someone better than me if I didn't bring the value. Same as this, right? If we hang up and you're like, that guy was an idiot. I never want him on the podcast again, that I have failed miserably. And then we won't have future conversations. We can even build a high value offer together. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's something that we preach to our startups all the time. Like you have to, it's so great to deify like a founder or a C-level exec. Like this person is uh, an expert in this space and we're going to give you access to their time, right? Like that value exchange is, is just really tangible and real. Yeah, I think part of that is putting the founders that we work with, right? We're typically talking and working with a lot of growth stage companies. So how do you get them to understand what that actually means and what that looks like. Because oftentimes they are experts in their space, right? Like they've scratched an itch 
in a space that they grew up in and they've created this solution, right? And then you don't want them to just, they get almost these perceptions in their mind of what sales is and I have to act this way and do this way and be this way. But how do you get them into that mindset of creating an offer around their expertise? Is there anything that you've seen to be able to pull some of those strings? Yeah, I, I love that question. I think it's a really good one, Josh. And uh, I, the best way, I actually refer to it as inception. I try to get time with them to talk about high value offers, number one. And then as you do that, it is a high value offer. Quite literally, you are educating them on what the heck they need to do. And you're saying, look, here's what we're seeing across our portfolio, across the folks we speak with, across people like you. Zig Ziglar tells all this time, tell me about someone like me who solved a problem like mine and I'll trust you, right? When we talk to people just like you, they're struggling to get the meetings with the accounts they care about the most. Here's how we can penetrate those accounts, get their time attention, get them to show up. And you're probably going to have the founder, their right hand, maybe their right hand on the call. As you're teaching them about what they need to do, you pause for dramatic effect, literally pause. You can say, that's a pause for dramatic effect. I do that all the time. I love making fun of myself. I have that. She said on my wedding band, more stories we can talk about later. Uh, but then you say, this is a high value offer. Look, right now we are here because this is so valuable. You're willing to take time out of your busy day with all your travel with your family obligations, running a business to talk to us about how to get more meetings. You would not take this meeting if we were not delivering value to you. We need to help you figure out what's your version of that. What's the thing that you know that no one else does? What's the proprietary research that you have? What's a customer story that you can share of something amazing that someone else has done that others are trying to replicate? Can you pull the customer into that? Do you pull in the CSM? It doesn't always have to be a founder. And we just did this at Demand Base. We call it ROI Cookbook. And it's not public knowledge. So spoiler alert, here we go. Um, we could share this. It's fine. I'll figure it out. But uh, I, I went around. Just committed an entire team to doing something like that. <laughs> Here's the team. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, that's what I have to do now. But it's okay. We're going to figure that out. We're working on it. Um, essentially, everyone is struggling to show business value, right? Everyone. Probably every person that you talk to, it's a top priority. What we started to learn when I interviewed folks and did this like a findings recommendation, which you know from Topa, uh, I, I followed a similar format, did hundreds of interviews. And when we would talk to people, there are folks inside of demand base that are doing stuff. You would be shocked how amazing it is for accounts that you know and love and probably purchase from. And they're helping them to hit their results and their business numbers using demand base and other parts of the tech stack. It's not all about demand base. So what we've started to do is document those in recipe format. Here's what it is. Here's how it's going to help you. Here are the steps to do it. And then here's what that can look like. And then we anonymize it, but we know we can hook that into customers. And that's taking experts with imposter syndrome, just like all of us, where you put your hands on their shoulder on Zoom. I, I literally position my hands like this and say, this is what everyone needs. And I've said that, and Audrey, when she watches this, she'll know that I'm talking about her because I did that. But she has solved all account-based measurement for a control group to show here's how you build a perfect control group, and then here's how things are performing that you're using demand base for. And it's showing the lift quarter by quarter, segment by segment. 
that is a high value offer that I need to help build now. But we've documented that and we've started to uncover it. So every company is sitting on treasures of information that are buried with CSMs or GADs or AEs or subject matter experts or founders. It doesn't always have to be the C-level executive. I think that's just the normal thing to think this is who they want to speak with. But if it's a very specific problem that they're trying to solve, it doesn't have to be high on the totem pole. It just needs to be extremely relevant and valuable. And it works 100% of the time. Yeah. And, and, and actionable, right? Like I think, you know, it's such a great takeaway and commentary on the whole, because when people think about sales, especially people that aren't in sales, right? Like founders, like people on the periphery, and frankly, even folks in, in the CBDRs, AE, so on and so forth. Like you put on this clown suit, like you, you do, we do all this great work and then you put on this clown suit and you're like, Hey, look at me. Like I've got to be in my sales role now at this point. But like, that was my big lever at lead MD. It's like, we're doing things every single day for our client. That is the best marketing material and the best sales material that we could ever create. All you have to do is bring that to the front of that cycle and say, Hey, yeah, we've solved this problem or Hey, here's our, like uh, marketing budgeting was like one of the big things, right? Like on an annual basis, like you can go into those, you know, QBRs or annual reviews and what are your top strategic priority? You know, like just such a boring like conversation, or you can bring tools to that conversation even prior to and say, this is what we're finding. You know, our, our most high growth organizations that we're working with our best clients, they're using these types of tools. Are these valuable to you? Right? Like it can even use that in an account management motion, but it, it really is all about bringing real value, real tools, tactics, things that work for other folks. Because if you talk to most marketers and probably most individuals in general, like the top thing they want to know is what are other people doing that works? And I think the more that you can keep that in mind and not put that, you know, sales clown suit on and just provide transparency and access to those tools is is such a, a, a cheat code in itself. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and look, here here's the other thing. And, and I say these extremely obvious things, which let's turn them into tweetable LinkedIn shares, right? <laughs> yeah, you knew that, Chris. Um, but look, people buy from people. I, I love AI, okay? I am obsessed with mid-journey. I used ChatGPT last night to build out a meal plan. I had it role play as an award-winning chef who is creating low-carb healthy options that are easy to prepare for busy families and then built a meal plan in a table and gave me the shopping list. I, I love AI. We're building AI in the product. It exists in the product. We're adding new things, but we will still want to buy from humans. And there are very specific reasons that the, the best sellers are the best storytellers. That's not a coincidence. And even now I, I've planted a couple things unintentionally, just because I believe in being open, radical candor, extreme vulnerability. I'll tell you anything you want to know about childhood trauma, anything, right? Like I have mentioned to you that I had leukemia. I have said do basketball. So you probably don't know that that's from Coach K, that basketball in 1986. This is the sign poster from Coach K when I was a guest on the bench, right? Like I, I cool. teased that out. I mentioned that's what she said on my wedding band. I didn't tell you I escaped the kidnapping attempt as a kid and I've been shot at, chased by a man with a spear, right? Like when you are yourself in the business context and a personal context, People get to know you and they want to talk to you. And then they can gradually learn more about the value you can add by being yourself. And yeah, I, I mean, it's it's not this complicated concept. It's just chaining all of these things together. See, now you're 
we just changed the entire topic of this podcast halfway through. It's so hard to pick one of those, but I feel like the man with the spear. I want to know more about it. Yeah, so that was uh, a mission trip in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. We all loaded up in a cattle truck. I was a senior in high school. And uh, we were in this truck. They were taking us to a mission house. We were going to build a roof, a concrete roof. So it was loading buckets up a ladder in 110 degree weather. And when the truck was going down the road, there was someone laying in the middle of the street and we had to stop. And, you know, I'm, I'm from North Carolina, as you can tell, like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not that experienced in that setting. I have been shot at those different things, but, uh, yeah, we had to stop. And then the driver looks panicked and we have no idea what's going on. I mean, we're in a totally different country. And then the person who was laying in the street ran in a hut, grabbed a sphere and the truck floored it and then he starts chasing us so we're standing in the cattle truck watching this guy chase us with a spear and throw it at the truck and it was because you know there, there's, there's a history there's, of there's a potential high value offer you know yeah. traveling abroad how to avoid you know a kidnapping setup and potential spear attack i i also love that we've both been shot at we're both sitting on on the podcast i came about this close to not being on this podcast uh, what else? Yeah, what yeah. got it? Something like that. <laughs> so we can we can create a high value offer here. It's going to be uh, bar stories. Yeah, where we bring our favorite drinks and we can just talk to folks about things unrelated to business, but then you attract the right audience. Like there, it's go. the cheat code after hours. I I, I love it. <laughs> no, but that brings up a good point. Like, so what is the offer as much about the output or the ability to tell the good story, right? Cause you said the best sellers are the best storytellers. I mean, what is the offer really, or does it doesn't matter. That it, it's interesting. I haven't thought about it that way. Um, I mean, one of the criteria is that I would stress a hundred percent of the time is it has to be an engaging interaction. And, you know, both of you have alluded to the opposite of that, right? We've joined, <laughs> it's just this boring webinar, boring podcast. It doesn't matter what they're telling you if it's not compelling or well-produced, right? And, and there are hacks and podcasting and editing, but if you're in a Zoom, you have to bring. And, right. you know, you can flip a light switch, you can put on a certain outfit, put on your blades or whatever you need to do. Like, uh, you know, the bear. That's Get hard. your game facing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you have to be engaging. I, I do think it's helpful if you can put someone in front of folks where they'll say, gosh, I really want to talk to that person again. And I want to build that relationship. And to Craig Rosenberg and Scott Albro's credit, Topo had a lot of those folks. I mean, we, you know, it was really awesome that we would get to know people. We would figure out the value to add. So it was about the output. But it is an enjoyable experience when the person who's helping you with the output is someone that you would actually like to hang out with and yeah. talk to and, you know, keep up with on a regular basis. And that's just like personal recommendations and references. But, uh, you know, the output has to matter, right? You have to focus on the buyer. You have to figure out what's important to them. It is a similar exercise or construct. I mean, we built high value offers in as little as five minutes with clients. And then there are some where it's extremely complicated but yeah i mean you have to hit boats honestly yeah i yeah. just don't think in this age of nothing works and everything's harder and you know we're all fighting to hit our numbers we we literally are fighting to hit our numbers i, I just think you have to bring it and i see more and more separation with the organizations that i talk to between top performers 
and average performers. The gap seems to be widening to a dramatic extent because there is part of that well-roundedness and just person who's been around the block and is willing to share their stories that is a, a consideration. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that brings up uh, another point that I always hear kind of an objection, more of like a, this sounds really hard, um, which is like, I don't think we can do anything on that call or in that meeting that's going to have an output that's, you know, either generatable or accurate and so on. And, and that's, I think, just something that's really critical to keep in mind. Most of these motions I've seen where they're run really well, don't deliver something on that specific meeting. It's an invite to engage in creating that over time, because a lot of the organizations that we would work with at LeadMD, you know, that might open a conversation to we're not measuring that right now, or we don't feel good in that data, you know, because we often ran like waterfall exercises and kind of business case exercises. But the point there was like, okay, great. We can dig in together and start solving this. And then you're not having a sales conversation. You're really starting to shore up an area of their business that they needed to do anyway. But you're doing that, frankly, in a free consulting capacity, but it's building trust and it's forming that relationship so that you are that consultative seller. Like folks that aren't creating something, that, not putting pen to paper, I think that's really difficult to say that, oh, I'm I'm in a, running a consulting, a consultative selling motion. Like you have to oftentimes create something at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. I I think we do have an advantage, and you were hitting on this, and that we've worked for organizations or built organizations where people are a part of the product. And I, I think there is a big advantage there because uh, Topo, Gardner, Forrester, whoever, there's an element of you're selling time with those people. And it's pretty, pretty easy and obvious to put a high value offer in front of someone and say, this is their top priority. Here's the person who's the best to talk to about that. Let's give them 30 minutes for free so they see what that feels like. And the output is kind of, this is what it feels like. But the best analysts are chaining together next best actions. I mean, it, they were called MBAs at, at Gartner. And literally, it was like an AE. I mean, there's a portal. We had to log in. What are we doing next? And, and that can be a part because the bigger the organization, the more complex the organization, sometimes the inertia is the biggest thing to overcome. It may not be budget. It's just, hey, we've worked together for a year and we really haven't crossed these things off the list. But being able to have some accountability and a regular conversation to say, what are we going to accomplish by the next one? And building that accountability, that could be part of an output. But in many instances, you're right. I mean, not everything's going to be solved in a 30-minute call, and a one-hour call. But we want to create that feeling of we should work together more. And yep. that is a successful outcome. And look, I... I was just with our, our top seller and, you know, this individual asked for the business after the first call. First call. Pretty, pretty uncommon in, in this environment. Yeah. Right. It is. It is. And the point that this person stressed to me was I, number one, this could be a case of us using the product to the best of its ability and knowing that we need to help them and they need us. And if they say, yes, I need to shut up and get the deal done. Mm -hmm. and, and I love that 
gave this person a hug. I was like, yes, love the way you think. Uh, it, but the next part is if, if we don't uncover the objections, we can't work through the objections. And if you know the objections, then you could run through this process and say, okay, great. We know that you're struggling with this. What if on the next meeting I brought Justin Gray with me and he talked to you about this time he was almost shot and what it was like building lead NB and, you know, an account that was very similar to you. And it took them a year to get the deal done. And he's going to share how quickly they were able to make progress, even though they wasted a whole year. He's going to share what they did in 30, 60, 90 days and how they wish they would have done that deal a lot faster. Would that be helpful to you if I, I gave you 45 minutes and then you probably block out 90, right? Like you can go ahead and just, uh, you know, under promise, over deliver, not the opposite. Um, but yeah, I, like that's the element of this that is why I feel like it's just a life skill. As we're building our relationships, we get busier and busier. We know through research that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So if you think about that in a personal setting and in a professional setting, we have to treat our introductions with care. And, and that's why I like the podcast you guys did with Craig. I mean, number one, we all love Craig. We love making fun of Craig. Like everybody loves doing that. But <laughs> but it's so true, right? I, we have thousands and thousands and thousands of LinkedIn connections. And all of us probably get Slack messages or emails every single day. How well you, do you know this person? And a lot of them, I don't even know that person. That happens so much. But when you get one that's right, oh, you're going to love this person. Let me introduce you to them. And and that's the best feeling in the world. So I I really think I always find parallels between our personal lives and our professional lives, just because I I think it's fun to talk about. And um, that's what this feels like to me, right? You can't accomplish a lot in 30 minutes, but... If you can spend the last five minutes figuring out what we should do next together, that's going to stand out against your competitor that's trying to talk about how we've got momentum and the best features and, you know, here, here's what we can do for you and here's the pricing, right? Let's go totally. in and solve the problems together. Well, when you were at Topo, I remember sitting at one of your sessions and you said you have to be able to get them as close to the end game as possible with as much information as you can gather ahead of time, but then bring that to that session, right? That high value offer to close the gap, right? And I think when you think about the best sellers, it's their ability to predict the future for that person on the other side of the call. And that requires them to really understand that person in their world, right? Like you can't, like product knowledge, okay, great, who cares? But if you don't know what that person's going through day to day, and knowing what's going to happen if they don't do X, Y, and Z, how are you going to show them what that end game actually looks like? And that's the value, right? It's saying, hey, I know what you're going through. I can see based on what you're telling me, what's going to happen tomorrow, the next week, the next month, the next 12 months. And if you don't plug the hole here, there's gonna it's going to keep leaking, right? And that's where you can start to be that more consultant and get out of the product mindset, just get them to the end game. And that's where the storytelling comes into it. You say, hey, I've seen this before, right? I know what your colleagues are doing. This is what other people are doing. And I think that that ability to predict the future builds trust, shows people you live in their world, gives them a little flavor of the future. And that's what I see some of the best people doing. Yeah, I I love that, Josh. I, I mean, that's what we all want at the end of the day, right? Every meeting we take, 
It's not about if we're getting an Amazon gift card or a new <laughs> pair of AirPods, right? I mean, we all get those. And I even just said to my wife, I was like, oh, you need a pair of AirPods. I have an email where the person said they'll send me a pair if I take a meeting. <laughs> what? They'll give you AirPods? And I was like, but it's not a good meeting. You know, <laughs> she's like, what girl? Take it's real timeshare thing, man. Yeah. yeah. How much pain are you willing to endure? I need a free That's right. and breakfast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I used, I think there is this element that is so old school to what we do. And I, it's laughable to me that we're going to follow some of the same traps that we continue to see, right? I, we are seeing it with AI. And, and we've talked about this as an executive team, right? There will be great companies that come from this, and there will be terrible companies that come from this. And it happened in .com, right? I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina, when I was going to school at NC State. Red Hat had Ferraris and Lamborghinis parked in their lobby parking lot, like where the guests park, and people were just buying them, right? I mean, it, that happened. We lived through that, and we're feeling a lot of these waves that happen again, and I do think that some companies are going so far into technology that they are forgetting the human element. And, you know, one reason I joined demand base, right? It, it's that will not happen. There will be AI plus humans forever and ever. Amen. And there's a reason that if you go in Gartner Peer Insights, which a lot of people don't, but if you go in Gartner Peer Insights, we're the highest reviewed ABM platform by customer recommendations, right? Like more people recommend demand based than any other platform. Now we don't have the most noise in the market. We don't have the most perceived momentum. We know that we can be honest, right? And now I'm honest with prospects. We're honest with prospects. We know that, but at the end of the day, our customers are more successful. And, and that's the piece that I think we need to do a better job of having those conversations and just being honest about it because we, if it's a bad fit, it's a bad fit. Let, let's address it. Let's get it out of the way, right? And I commented on uh, a friend that we all have who was talking about career longevity and seeing people that jump too frequently and, and a lot of that. And I, I think that's the wrong way to look at it because if you're in a bad personal relationship, you shouldn't get credit for staying in it longer, <laughs> right? I mean, you, you don't stay together for the kids. Uh, at, yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I look, I, there are a lot of important notions here that we could dismiss as commonsensical and, and just say, yeah, everybody knows that. But we all know this does not happen in practice. Mm -hmm. We get busy. We, we go down the automated routes and we don't always put our best foot forward. But at the end of the day, it feels really nice when you do it the right way. It's a rewarding meeting. We get the adrenaline hits. And I can tell you during COVID when the world changed and, you know, I lost some of the in-person interactions and our whole business changed between Topo and Gardner and just a lot of stuff changed. I was in search of adrenaline hits. And I realized how important that is to my career. And if I can't find a way to help people and have conversations like this and be myself, not the... Mm -hmm. Chris Moody puts on a suit and stands in front of someone and like reads a scripted presentation, right? I, I have to find that. And if I don't find that, it impacts my family. And I have four kids, right? When I walk downstairs at the end of the day or when I come back from an airport, I don't want them to think, God, dad's in a shitty mood. Like, I don't want them to feel that. And 
And if we're not putting the right experiences in front of people with those high value offers, they might fill that. We might fill that at the end of the, the day. And well, that that's the key, right? You know what I mean? Like it, the, the the best anything keeps that in mind, right? Like, yeah, what do I need to feel fulfilled? I owe that to the person on the other end of this line, right? You know what I mean? It's not just a meeting. You know, oh, I whiffed it, you know, so on and so forth. Like you're making a commitment there. And I think, you know, that from the offer standpoint, just from the interaction standpoint, like that is something that, that you have to uphold. And that's what I, I absolutely believe the best sellers do. Yeah. And it's self-awareness too, right? Um, this happened. I, I was very fortunate. This is not one of those humble brag things. I promise you, I'm just giving you context. Um, I was very fortunate. I, I I was invited to a president's club this year because of a sales and marketing alignment award, which to not be a seller and be there, I, I was really honored. There were a couple of us and I'm appreciative. I am in service of sales. I actually don't think sales should be a profession. I think it's a process and it should be a cross-functional team. And we all work together to do that, which it's just fun that way. But I was sitting beside uh, a gentleman from the UK, one of our top sales performers, his wife, they have four kids. We had four kids. We're all there without our kids. Drinks are flowing, right? And, uh, you know, we were joking and just talking about life. And I said, I, you know, I think I'm an A plus dad, a B plus husband, and I do a really good job at work. And he started laughing. I said, I grade myself too. As a seller, I, I actually grade the meetings that we do. I, I say, this is an A plus, this is a B plus. I didn't bring the value here. It is that same notion that you just said on Justin, right? Like we have to understand where we're doing well and where we're not and how we can close those gaps. And the high value offer premise fits across all aspects of our life that way. And you know, if, when this goes live, we all want every single person to listen to this and say, man, I want to talk to those folks more. Or I wish Chris would be back on like, that's what I would say. And for you, you're hoping they hit the subscribe button, right? And say, wow, I'd love to get a future guest. And you want to get more conversations out of it. And, and that's the exact same thing we have to create in our businesses. And that, you know, that's, it's hard. It's hard to find the fit for what you like to do and who you are and where you work. And, and that's why I kind of laugh at the career longevity stuff too, because if it's wrong, it's wrong. And it's better to fix it and get out and, and find a good place and trust yourself and what you care about and find the right home. And that's what is cool about this show too, right? Like watching you guys do your next thing because we worked together before. But yeah, I, I could talk forever and we didn't even get to the bar store. <laughs> so I do want to get your take just in terms of like other folks that are, you know, have done or are doing this well. Um, I always think back, like, I think, Marketo did a, a hell of a job of this. And like you work with, with John Miller, who obviously was a co-founder over there. Like there are a number of things like kind of collided at that time. This is like early 2010s. Um, you know, obviously the market was, you know, very immature and evolving. Like this new thing called marketing automation was, was being put out there and they were selling a product into it where literally the product enabled you to do processes that didn't exist prior, right? Like things like lead scoring and nurturing and so on, like lead life cycle. Like there was no tangibility to that in the past. And so they had to provide, you know, frameworks and this is how we do it internally. Right. And like every meeting almost became supported by a high value offer. And, and I think about like even folks like you had like Maria Pergolito there who, you know, was in the marketing department, but participated in sales yet. Uh, like sales engineers, like uh, Reed Trujillo, 
we actually left and went to Everstring and kind of ran the same motion there. I, I was partners with both those organizations and got to see like, oh, you're bringing another new solution to market that really is undefined. And you have to have someone there like speaking and saying, this is how we do it internally. Let me apply those same frameworks to your business. And maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, maybe you buy, maybe you don't, but like you're going to get value out of, out of that interaction. Um, Anyone stand out kind of in, in a similar manner that you, you see either, you know, doing this well or has done this really well in the past? Yeah, yeah, a couple. I think um, Marketo is a great one and, and Eliqua, right? The rivals and they're usually pairs and they approach it slightly differently. And I, I think that's pretty fun to watch. That's a really good one. Um, we all should know about the Zora deck, right? Zora built the business on a very compelling notion of, what the world looks like without Zora and not wanting to get left behind. And lots of us need to take that to heart. I mean, I, we're trying to make that better at demand base. Um, Canva did a great job of that too. I mean, we're very fortunate to have John Itell here as our chief sales officer. He was at Canva. I've seen the deck that they were using. It's really good. It's really good how they would talk to how the world has changed and where you fit in it and how you don't want to get left behind. I do like that notion. Um, selfishly or fortunately, that's probably a better way to say fortunately, uh, Topo was masterful at this and I learned so much there and, you know, e even how I joined, it was kind of that process. I went and spoke for free at a council and hey, look, here was my motivation going there. I, I was somewhere where it wasn't the best fit. I wasn't doing the best work of my life. I had that conversation with my boss and was trying to figure out what to do with my professional life after that. So I decided to over-index on culture and fit and people. And my wife and I flew to the West Coast on our expense. And I volunteered to speak at a council. And they said, oh, it's not an interview. We promise it's not an interview. I was like, just say it's an interview. I know it's an interview. Just say <laughs> it's an interview, Craig and Christy. I, you know, like it's an interview. But I, you know, I, I met the customers I saw the high value offers. I saw them bringing folks into a room, extreme high value offer, right? Like mm -hmm. the event manifestation yeah. of Those are great. Um, I had my wife there. They didn't know what my wife looked like. She was a spy. She was watching Craig interact with people and tell someone that they couldn't get a job there. I mean, like, this is true. I don't even know if I told Craig that. Um, we went to lunch together. Like, there are just a series of high value offers that happened, and you watch that. And, you know, one that, as a big success story, look at Figma. It didn't mm -hmm. change the way that everyone works and interacts with design. They, they weren't the first to do it. And Vision App is another amazing company that's in the space. But Figma really nailed the product market fit. And, you know, we were all seeing things in Figma, whether we do it or not. Right. It was showing sure. us how things worked and how to collaborate. So there are tons of great examples. I mean, we document a lot of them at demand base too. And that's a part that I love finding those amazing stories and sharing them. So I, I could probably build out a more comprehensive list, but uh, I, look, I have the Zora deck bookmarked. I have the Canva deck open right now. Um, I hack away on this kind of stuff personally for work too. I mean, I, I like trying to solve this and, and build a better story because when it hits, it gives you that adrenaline hit, right? And I live on the adrenaline hits. I can't have it too steady. I'm steady. Like I'm in this wave, my wife's the opposite. So we balance each other out and when we know that that's not me bashing my wife, like that's how our, our world works. And, um, 
yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's fun to figure out. And look, when you guys work together and when we're a client at Topo, I mean, I, I saw, saw your proposals. You guys are really good at it too. I mean, you, you know, you can do your own horn and, and share about that because it costs more than I thought, but you, you brought the value, right? You showed, here's the plan. Here's how we work together. And that was always fun to see because we were, we were behind the scenes and everything, right? We just couldn't be public about it all at the time. Well, that, and that's a great point as well. Like I always love to say, like, if you're in sales, like you should be participating in other people's sales processes and, you know, checking out what's out there, seeing what you want to kind of grab and, and bring into the arsenal is just such a, such a, you know, valuable exercise. Well, I think that that uh, adren adrenaline hit concept is a really good one for founders or especially early stage, right? Cause we talked about this earlier, they created something sitting in the seat likely right like they 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 felt a pain they created something to solve a problem but then once they get into this sales motion of trying to bring their product to market they think the demo of their cool shit is going to sell it and frankly nobody cares right like nobody cares about your demo nobody wants to see it nobody wants to see all the features and functions and what founders should be doing is going back to that adrenaline hit that they felt when they solved the problem and creating their pitch to tell that story because that's what's going to come out and that's what's going to sell it and then you have something repeatable that you can scale across the organization that's the biggest thing we run into at the stage of companies that we invest in right like we've got this dynamic founder who scratched this itch they solved this problem they've got the juice but then how do you bring that in because they can't sell forever right how do you bring that in and devise a go-to-market strategy i think just really if we're talking about cheat codes narrowing in on that adrenaline hit and how do we bring that to the surface for someone on the other end and make them feel it would be a, a really great starting point for that high value offer oh yeah absolutely i mean scale is a cheat code i, I think you need to do an episode on that and um craig the last time i was in, in uh san francisco I, I went and watched craig eat dinner i'd already had dinner so we got i said i was going to dinner with him i just watched him eat and had a drink but it was great uh <laughs> So here as well. Yeah, yeah. How about yeah? Just watch Craig. Uh, but Craig and I were talking about this, and you know, one of the things that Craig and Scott are very open with, they were heavily involved as founders, and it's really hard to scale when yeah. you're so heavily involved as a founder. Now it looks great on paper; it really does look great on paper. But you you just mentioned that Josh, the scale aspect, and if you can't create that contagious energy and you know evangelize that's a strong word okay evangelize you have you have to believe what you're doing and feel so good about it that you find other people who love it and believe in it and it's and then it's not even about money i mean i didn't ask for a raise at topo and i was not making the most of everything in my life but i loved the work that i was doing i loved learning every day growing my network and seeing what the best companies were doing. I was hooked. Okay. I was, I, I had that adrenaline hit and I could find it and it worked for me. And I realized this is my happy place. I have to seek out things like that. And that is a cheat code in and of itself. I think there's more to unpack there. You know, I'd love to listen in on that episode, help facilitate that episode, whatever you need, because, um, you know, there's this enablement aspect of once you find it, how do you spread it? And right. that's extremely important. Well, you know, you, you talked about to our own horn, and I guess I'll to Justin's horn a little bit because, you know, there's an interesting truck. Like, you're part of the show. 
<laughs> an interesting transition from founder to leader, right? And just because you founded the company doesn't make make you a leader. And leadership is really hard. And I think I wrote a LinkedIn post about this just last week. I remember it was like 2015, 2016. And I was a salesperson, right? Like I, I was an AE. That was my job. Um, and I sold consulting services. Well, I remember Justin called me off and he said, listen, man, I need you to scale me. It can't be me. I can't be the only face of the company. And it was just like this light bulb moment. Well, that sounds fun, right? Like, I, I think I can do that. I'm a, I, you know, I, I, I'm a bullshitter or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's I created another face of the company that helped us scale, right? It, it was at least one more, right? We created others. There were more evangelists over time, but at least there was one more. So it didn't just have to be Justin, right? And I, I mentioned this in that post was there were people at Marketo who thought I was the founder of LeadMD. I was not. I was a salesperson. It was just that evangelism, right? And then going out and scaling and taking that story and being having enough juice in that story for me to care about it, right? And adopt it as my own. Yeah, I I, I love that. I'm a big believer in that. Um, you should get Kevin O'Malley on the show. You know, Kevin was at SalesLoft early on, but I followed Kevin to a company just to work with them. And he was the VP of marketing at Topo. So I didn't work closely with him, honestly, but I, I loved him as a person. And Kevin ingrained in me as I was building out a brand team when we worked together, you have to give your job away at least every two years, if not faster. So you have to get someone in who's going to be better than you. And when they're ready, you have to give them your job. And that's hard. You don't yeah. want to do, I like, honestly, once you build the great team, we all know what that means. So let's just Cover your ears, anyone that we work with right now. You know, once you build an amazing team, you get to play more golf. You get to do more stuff, right? Like, like you do because you have a, a functioning team. So it's it's a foreign concept if you haven't been through it and lived it to give that away and to give that power away and to let someone else run with it. And I, I coach a lot of youth, youth sports. I'm obsessed with Ted Lasso. I mean, there are selfless <laughs> elements to how we have to function as coaches and parents. And I worked for Kay Yao. I lettered in women's basketball. There's another bar story. Um, I literally did. But um, like when you're when you're with someone that gets it, and you watch them be completely selfless to give it away to someone, you're you'll run through a wall for that, and then you won't totally. see that. And you know that that's. That's how you scale. And it's it's not the domineering founder. And there are companies that work with domineering founders that just do way too much. But I, I think you'll continue to see the best scalable ideas in companies or, or with high emotionally intelligence folks where they can take that emotional intelligence and then just know it's time to give it away and then watch other people thrive because look, we all love checking LinkedIn to see someone that we hired as an intern who's now a VP or has a bigger job than us. I, I mean, I love that, right? I, I, you do the keeping up with the Joneses thing sometimes, but you're 99% you're happy, love it, send them a message. And you know that's the fun part about the industries that we're in. The world gets really small the more people that you meet. And I was fortunate enough to meet the two of you through Craig. I met Craig by speaking at a demand-based CMO summit when I was at a very large company trying to find a job. <laughs> like, honestly, guys, I, you know, it, you can take the dominoes all the way back. And it's usually when you do the right thing because you know it's the right thing. And then you'll, 
make this connection and then it spreads out and does the network effect. Yeah, could, couldn't couldn't agree more with, with that last statement. And Chris, with that, uh, we'll wrap up, but I definitely want to get folks uh, your, you know, what are your preferred channels, your contact info? Because as you said, we could talk all day about this stuff, but if they want to engage, you know, firsthand, where should they go? Yeah, so let's start on LinkedIn because uh, who knows what will happen with Twitter or X or Threads or whatever. <laughs> I mean, we're repeating the same history we do all the time. Marketers ruin everything. We know how it goes. Uh, yeah, so LinkedIn.com slash N slash Chris Moody. If you want to email me, um, be Chris Moody at gmail.com. That's not with any ego. Chris Moody at gmail.com was taken. They're more famous Chris may be, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, yeah, but start with LinkedIn. Always here to help. And look, I will offer a high value offer right now. Let's, let's bring this. So anyone, anyone who listens to this show, I'll try to get Justin and Josh to join me for this too, if, if you're free. But anyone who listens to this, if you want to talk about what we're seeing in the industry and explore the biggest challenge you have and see if there are ways that we can help, I can't promise that I can. But if I can, I will help. If I can't, I'll connect you to someone who can. So all you have to do, reach out to me, say, hey, listen to the show. I'd love to grab 30 minutes. That's it. I, I don't even have to have a business need or fit. I'm just willing to do that. And I think that's the way the world should work. So we'll build a little high value offer there and we'll track it. We'll see if anyone takes us up on it. And I'll let you know. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah, I mean, and that's all in of, of network, right? You know what I mean? Like when I do those things, I could probably help 20% of the time, but there's a much higher propensity. I, I, I get someone that, that can't help. So that, that's awesome. Thank you again. Yeah, Chris, Chris, thank you for joining the show. We appreciate your high value offer. For those of you who liked us, like the show, like Chris, do the like, the subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it may be. That helps expand our reach so more people can get Chris's high value offer. And until next time, thanks for joining the Cheat Code. <laughs>